Everybody, welcome to the Tuesday episode of the 3 Plus 1 podcast, where we are joined by our host, Tracy Bonner. What's up, everybody? And this week's very special guest, president of the Georgia NAACP, James Woodall. How's it going, everyone? Excited to be here. Welcome, welcome. So, uh, how has the week been thus far? I mean, Monday was Monday. It was a Monday. <laughs> it was a Monday. I had a lot of clients, so that's always good. Anybody doing anything big, Tracy, that you want to share on the air? Any client who is just really making great progress in the work that you're doing with them? Tracy is an acting, she's an actress, of course, a renowned actress, but she's also a coach for those in the entertainment industry as well as someone who helps uh, actors and actresses and entertainers prepare their packages for auditions and opportunities that they may be given. Yes, I just had an actor, Larry Roach, um, book a, a film, and he's one of the leads in the film. Um, he self-submitted himself and came over to my house, and we we uh, taped his audition, and he booked that. So sh- big shout out to Ree and Brittany. Shout out Ree. <laughs> Brittany Lachey Smith uh, is a client, a frequent client, and she's on also on the show Sweet Magnolias with myself on Netflix, and she's doing some really, really, really big things. So. I'm excited about the two of them and all of my clients. If you keep getting called back, that is a good sign. If you keep getting get uh, keep getting called in by these casting directors, that means they like you. So if you're not booking, just call that submission uh, a success. Because I mean, Brad Pitt, it's a hard feel. Yeah, Brad Pitt went on 754 auditions before he booked his first thing. You wow. Know? So, just keep going. Say it again. Brad Pitt went on about 754 auditions before he booked his first gig. So we have to, to persevere. We have to stay diligent, take classes, you know, and workshops and continue to hone your craft. Reverend. What, what a beautiful, yes. What a beautiful <laughs> message. So, uh, President Woodall, how has it been for you thus far this week? Um, it's been real, really good. We had our transition meeting today where, you know, I moved into my new office and uh, we're making preparations to, uh, you know, build our our platform, our agenda, our strategic agenda mm-hmm. as we prepare for the legislative session that begins in January. Um, and we also prepare some litigation. So I'm excited about that. Um, so just be on the lookout for what we got going on. Wow. Where your, your headquarters for Georgia is, is, is based here in Atlanta. It is. We're located off of, uh, Martin Luther King Avenue. So on, Drive, yesterday, Drive. okay. Yesterday you said you, you shared that there were, uh, we have 159 counties in Georgia and all, and the majority of those counties have a local NAACP. Do you have any areas beyond Metro Atlanta that are really moving progressively in the work of the NAACP that you want to shout out and share with us? Yes. Um, of course we, we like you said, we always will shout out the Metro counties, Bullock, I mean, excuse me, uh, Fulton County, Henry County, Clayton County, DeKalb County, Burnett County, uh, but we got some like Coffee County or Bullock County or Savannah or uh, Warner Robins, which is Housing County, or we have down south in Valdosta, or we got Albany, we got Columbus. So we have people all over the map, Toons County, right? Um, it, it's just so exciting to see so many people excited about the work, and we're getting younger. I'm being very intentional about my appointments to make sure that those who are surrounding my cabinet are people who not only get it, who have the experience, but also have the, have the, the, the motivation to keep going. Because we got work to do. We got some serious work to do, but only together can we win. 
That's awesome. I know yesterday I was talking about um, the millennials, but what about those high school age students? What are what are you doing to kind of engage them as well? Because I will say this. When I learned about the civil rights movement, I learned that the teenagers were the, the driving force behind the civil rights movement because uh, if they got arrested, it didn't take the person who brought the income out of the home. And I thought that was really smart. Mm-hmm. It was very strategic that they were able to, to protest and boycott and, and be the voice for uh, the community. So what are you doing to engage those? So this is an opportunity to shout out two people. One is our newly elected Youth and College Division State President. Mm. Her, her name is Amari Fenoy, and she is a graduate of Spelman College, representing AUC. And um, she is amazing, right? The other person I wanted to shout out is our National Youth Director, which is Tina De- Tiffany Dina Lawton, who, in conjunction with Amari and with myself, we're going to try to stand up every single youth unit that we possibly do. So every branch, every unit that has adults also has a youth and or college component, right? So colleges, every college in this state that I can think of has a, has a chapter, Absolutely. right? Even my alma mater, V. Georgia Southern University, V. Okay. And Morehouse, okay. right? And Spelman, and Clark, and Georgia State, and Agnes Scott, and, you know, Emory, yeah. all of these schools, Savannah State, Albany State, Fort Valley State. All the states. Right? Right. So there's no excuse for, for young people to not be involved right. and be aware and to be present. Yes. But, but what are they doing to get those bodies engaged? Because I recently went to a Delta Impact Day and I saw all the Deltas, but I didn't see a lot of the community that they were trying to engage. Yeah. So what are we what do we need to do better? We just need to show up. Yeah. And not only show up, but we need to put our money where our mouth is. Because okay. so many of our elders, well, I wouldn't even say elders, because the elders show up with their money in their mouth. Mm-hmm. Old folk. Always talking about they support young people. But when it comes time to actually put your money and supporting them so that they can get to the trainings that they need to get so they can become equipped to serve the communities that they live in, they oftentimes get quiet. So do we need to go to the churches and say, hey, we're, there's an event. Can you get a bus of about 10 students per church and bring them to this uh, event today? Or register, get, the, get your seniors registered to vote today. What can we do to, to get those? We go bodies. to them. Okay. Not try to get them to come to us. We go to them. Okay. We literally, When I was a state president for the Youth and College Division about six years ago, I literally made an effort to go to every single campus under my administration. And the same thing we need to do today. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I can't do that. Yeah. Now, I'm trying to get published and finish up, finish up this degree. Absolutely. Right? But if you build a team with people positioned all over the state, you can go to Emory, you can go to Spelman, you can go to Clark, you can go to Savannah State, you can go to Georgia Southern, you can go to Agnes Scott, you can, and we work together and build a team, right? And then when it comes time to have those meetings and we come together, hey, we know you're a college student, you don't got no money, so we're going to make sure you have a way. How does one get involved in the NAACP under your you literally, leadership? You can Two ways. You either go to our social media, send us a message, and we'll send you a link. So become a member, right? Our Are social you a me- member, doctor? I am. I haven't paid this year. I haven't paid in, a, in several years, but I paid um, 
I used to go to Victory Church in Stone Mountain where uh, Pastor Kenneth Samuels was actually very involved. And he was, I think he ran, you know, he ran for state president at one point. Um, and I don't think he won, but I think he did win for DeKalb County. So I joined then. But so much kind of fell by the wayside in the last, I would say, five years that of inactivity at a crucial time that I have not paid my membership. So uh, I'm definitely going to pay membership before the end of this year and reignite that okay. that work. So you can go to naacp.org and become a member. And when you become a member, you don't just become a member, but you want to be intentional about putting your zip code in there so that they can connect you to the local branch in or unit that's closest to you. The other thing I would suggest is literally following on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or you can reach out to our personal NWCP underscore Georgia. It's all spelled out. And then you can actually ask, who is my local unit? And we'll make sure you get connected. So do you guys have a social media director for the state? Like, is that a position that you guys have? Because when when Tracy talks about young people, I would definitely see a lot of work that can happen with social media to engage young people in a very creative ways and very innovative ways to leverage their talents and who they are. Yes. So before I was elected, it was me. I was yeah. doing all the social media and making sure that people knew what was going on, responding to different situations. Now that I am elected, I'm still over the social media, but we're, we're in the process of hiring a new staff. So come this coming week, we're going to have all that situation. Good. That's exciting. Very exciting. I'm going to join today and Ooh. I want to encourage all of you if you are in uh, Atlanta or in Georgia to please join the, the end of, regardless of race. Oh yeah, because yes, there is a the, the NAACP and its founding and its history involves the fact that everyone came together for the advancement of people of color in this in this nation specific specifically mm-hmm. our black people. One thing that I want to say that stood out in the conversation that the two of you had was a role that we need to play. Uh, Tracy, as Zennials and beyond the generations beyond our millennials and those the generation that will come or be deemed after our millennials. And that number one, what I heard you say, uh, President Woodall, is that number one, we need to finance the work. If we need to put our money behind our advocacy, it's not just a matter of you sitting here talking about your woke or wearing a t-shirt or looking cute and, you know, having a natural hair all puffed out and talking about I'm proud of my, what, what kind of hair did you guys say I had? I think, uh, I have 4C. permed hair. Well, I have, four, what is it? You guys said 4C. It's more than that. You got to put your money behind your advocacy. That's the first thing that we can do in our generation. But in addition to that, uh, what can we do to be involved and active beyond the financial contributions of membership? You can become a part of the branch. Put your expertise. So we have six game changers and literally everybody has a role. Health and wellness, criminal justice, education, uh, we even have EXO, which is our drama part where we have people doing poetry and acting and spoken word and, and art and music and all these things. Even Major, who does the This Is Why I Love You song, right? He came from the NAACP. So many of these huge, big-name artists all got their start in what we call EXO. So there's a role for everybody to play. We're not just out in the streets, so we're just not in politics. Every time I go to somebody who says, I had someone join, they say, well, I don't know much about politics. I say, you don't have to. And that's my job. I think that's the misconception yeah. is that we think this is only political no. or only dealing with 
black issues or problems in our community. I am an actor, you know, I have an MFA. I would love to be a part of this AXO program. Mm -hmm. Had no clue, you know, that this was even a thing. My grandmother was a part of the NAACP. My mother is a part of it. And I still didn't know these things, you know? So I I heard you say political science and I was like, ah, I'm not really involved in that, but I can... I can attach myself to something that's artistic. Right. So thank you for telling us about STEM, um, the STEM programs yeah. that you all provide. I had no clue. Because every time I think of NAACP, I think of Jesse Jackson or I think of Al Sharpton, you know, and the Genesis. We're all different organizations, but you know, I am proud. <laughs> okay, I am proud to say that I marched. Because I'm not educated on that. You know, I marched the Genesis. I drove my butt down to Jenna, Louisiana way back then. So, you know, this is very exciting to me, the movement, the momentum, and the growth that's happening in our local NAACP. Um, James, what will be, uh, what's next for us on the national level? What is happening nationally in regards to the NAACP? Because again, I'm not seeing press coverage. Not saying things aren't happening, but I'm not seeing it happen. Probably, and I take ownership of now researching to find out, but what's happening nationally that we need to know? So nationally, we have done a restructuring. We have a new president. He's been there about a year and a half, two years now. Uh, president and CEO Derek Johnson, um, in conjunction with our national chairman, uh, Leon Russell out of, uh, of Florida, we're trying to restructure the organization to be more efficient mm-hmm. in what we do, right? We're still pushing legislative action. We're still trying to prepare civic engagement strategy for a five-year plan. We started last year when it comes to the census and redistricting and reapportionment and mm-hmm. all these different things. We're preparing for those, right? They have a, uh, a uh, national de- debate. That's coming to Atlanta next month, right? Not to say that any of us are responsible for that, but we're being very intentional about the questions that are being asked. Why are we talking about voter suppression, right? When you talk, when you say we want people to go out and vote, but then they get to vote, they show up to vote, and then they, they're told their vote doesn't count, they're not going to show up again because they're discouraged. Mm-hmm. So why aren't we talking about voter suppression in these debates? That's the question that the NLC is pushing, making sure that we say we need to restore the Voting Rights Act because preclearance no longer exists. Yeah. And so when you talk about the right to vote, if people, and we're huge on this voting because view, voting is the fundamental of our democracy. It's the, the center most fundamental of our democracy. It is, but James, it is absolutely disheartening when that fundamental piece of our democracy is, has been so eroded since 1999, 2000, and the election of President uh, George W. Bush, where it was some, it was honestly taken from Al Gore. So people have, some people have never seen, you know, or lived in a time where you had genuine elections occur. You saw that happen. Then you turn right around and you had continuous voter suppression happening in 2016. At, I mean, 2015, for, you know, the 2016 uh you know, election uh, announcement of our president, and you also had in Russian interference, and then you had right here in Georgia the uh, numerous attacks against Stacey Abrams' amazing campaign, where the governorship was snatched from her and given to you know, uh, yep, Governor Kemp. Can we really count on voting to be the actual cornerstone for the hope that we invest in this nation? No. 
But you need to vote anyway. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. We have, um, and before I say what I say, there's also, it, it's, a, it's a struggle to promote everything that we're doing because a lot of it's so, uh, I don't want to say fragile, but it's very flexible, mm-hmm. right? And it's very, uh, it's at a point now where it's like, we can't tell you everything we're doing, right? So the litigation piece of it, the NAACP is literally suing Donald Trump in the Supreme Court right now. Wow. But we're not going to talk about it because we want to make sure. I mean, people are lawyers and they're yeah, up to yeah, speed yeah. on it. They might know about it. But for the general public, they don't know that we're suing him over DACA, which is the Deferred Action Child uh, Program, mm-hmm. to make sure that they can stay in this country, right? And the challenge is that went law. It was an executive action by Obama under his administration. So we're suing. We went all to the Supreme Court. Wow. Right? And- I have no clue. Did right. you know about that doc? I did. Oh, that's because you know everything. I don't so, know everything. See, I watch football. Okay? I watch football too. Okay. Well, not anymore. I'm <laughs> sorry. Uh, but I'm a I, I, say, I say that voting <laughs> is the center most fundamental of our democracy. However, for too often, for too many of us, our vote has not counted. Mm-hmm. So we must take to the streets and demand that this republic be saved because if we do not, mm-hmm. they're going to continue to tread on us. James, so many black people say that they're say that my vote doesn't count, yeah. so I'm not going to waste my time and vote. What can we say to that? If anything? I say nothing. I just give them a reason to. And that's why I ran in 2016. I ran for state representative. And we had the highest turnout amongst college students in that in that district. Period. Ever. Give them a reason. Okay. And what what would that reason be? Give them a personality, a person. Give them a cause. The cause that we had was, I said, we're going to push the increase. Well, it was a dry county. Mm-hmm. This is Georgia Southern. Mm-hmm. Party school. Now, mm-hmm. it's not party school anymore because they've not had so many you know, local laws changed. But I said, I'm going to fight to make sure that we t- change this not to be a dry county anymore. And I used the economic argument. I said, why would we be giving this county, which was Truthin County, why would we give them all of our tax-based revenue, or our tax revenue, allow them to take all the sales. In this county, we got Georgia Southern, which is the heart, the, the economic hub, everything south of Macon, until you get to Savannah. Mm-hmm. You're giving all the money to the county over. You could be using that money to build roads, to, to fund education, mm-hmm. to spur economic development, right? But you're giving it to another county, all because of you are a Christian and don't believe in alcohol. And I, I know for a fact that's a lie because I went to the liquor store and I saw them over there with me. Mm-hmm. So let's take this as an opportunity. It, it pushed so many students out. Granted, I lost, and I lost by in a runoff. You you made it to runoff. a runoff, right? No, I, it was it was a general election. Okay, it was a general election. You, yeah, you made it to right. right. And After that election, it was a wonderful campaign, and right. it was a hard fought battle. Yeah. After that election, we elected the first African American mayor who was wow. working on our campaign. The first African American mayor ever in that city. Now they're working to get two African American women. On that city council. See, so you opened up. Doors. You were a catalyst for and change during your college experience. Right. You know, my cause. And you, was, again, you were in college. You were a college student when you were breaking down these barriers and, and creating opportunity. And that's the exact same thing that young people can do anywhere in the United States when they take a concern for being civically minded and being advocates for what they believe in. Give them a reason. Yeah. Well, did Nancy Pelosi have a reason for walking out of a White House meeting uh, last week? So I want to just kind of preface this. Tracy, you just let out that exasperated sigh. 
Because yeah. we got a president who acts like a baby throwing food from the high chair. Whenever someone produces facts about his presidency or something that he's done, he berates them. He 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 uses. I bet he doesn't even know. I, I'm not a linguist. But I'm sure he doesn't uh-huh. speak very kindly to these people. And I wouldn't stand there if I were a Nancy Pelosi. She's 79 years old. Like what you Is she 80? I think she's 80. She's almost 80. She I would not stand there and listen but to But last week I said President Trump, there's no way he was 73 or hot 72 because he, he looks so old. And Nancy Pelosi, you know, she's Looks not younger. She young. She looks younger than him. She looks younger with a little bit of work done, but yeah, she looks younger than the president, uh- but I, you know, I don't want to be wrong again about, you know, the age. Let me say this. A three plus one podcast was created to be a divide, to bridge a divide between zennial mm-hmm. and millennial voices. The the Generation X comes before the zennials, and that's us, and that's where the name zennial comes from. And so it's, we're a little bit Generation X, and we're a little bit millennial. And then right after us are the millennials themselves, of which James is a member and a leader of. And so the point is that so many millennials are not out there getting credible, solid news. And same thing goes for us zennials. Not only are they not getting news, they all they just don't really care. There's a large amount of apathy in both generations right now regarding these issues, and this is meant to bridge that gap. So even though it can be exhausting to continuously talk about the same antics every single week, I think that we have responsibility to to address them, call them Absolutely. out, Absolutely. and kind of look at it. And so, yeah, uh, according to yeah, Nancy Pelosi said he had a meltdown. And I'm sure he did have a meltdown. He called her a third-rate politician. Yes. And they present, because they presented him with factual information that was going to crucify him. So, naturally, what did, what we, we talked about this earlier, he, he distracted. Oh, how can I distract? Let me throw this food from this high chair. So, right. you know. Well, he I came know. out immediately and said it was Nancy Pelosi who had to break down, who had to melt down. He immediately began a spin to discredit the walkout and discredit her. And, you know, luckily she was able to take his picture and take that tweet and and use it in an empowering way that's actually been well received by the media. I'm not certain about the public because I'm they confuse me, but certainly by the media. But you you see how the secretary, uh, press secretary says, you know, the while Democratic leadership chose to storm out and get in front of the cameras to whine. You know, they they always put this spin on what it is uh, that the Democratic Party is really trying to do, and that is just trying to be factual and trying to get this president to be honest and truthful. And Well, uh, you don't think... Mm, Not really. So, Uh, Democrats have an agenda, just as well as Republicans do. Um, mm-hmm. And before I preface that, let me let me send my regards to uh, Speaker Pelosi and her family and the passing of her brother mm-hmm. Thomas uh, D. Alessandro III. He passed away yesterday. Um, but I don't want to I don't want to say so. Speaker Pelosi mm-hmm. is not my favorite person, right? I don't really care too much for her <laughs> because she straddles the fence. Sometimes. No, because she's a insider. She's an elitist. She's you know she's an establishment. Right, I want the establishment to die. Well, not die physically. I know what you mean. 
You want the establishment to be broken down. Yeah, like like let's disintegrate. Let's burn it down as the scripture but says. Don't we burn need, it down. Don't we need some elitists? No. Okay. So I, I mean, you know, you that's what you me up. tell me why. Tell you know, so you, when you say <laughs> that Speaker Pelosi is an elitist, what are you referring to? She's there to maintain the status quo. That's all she's there for. She's there to ensure that the Democratic Party's agenda is maintained, mm-hmm. which is legitimate. So who do you? What kind of person needs to be in, in her seat? Nobody. Okay. I think we should just burn it down. Okay. You don't see any politicians right now that inspire you or motivate you to say, this is someone who I can rally behind. Let me, okay, let me, let me, let me stop. Let me stop playing. No. So, yeah. like, I, like I'm, I am, in a sense, like, we need to just get rid of it all, okay. quite frankly. Like, I, I'm not, I'm unapologetically about it because the system and the institution of American politics is corrupt at its core. And there's nothing we can do. Even Barack Obama was same victim to it. So we can celebrate the the, the, the the value of his mm-hmm. his historic election, but the reality of it is, he was still killing black people. Uh, black people. There were still people that were hungry. There were still people being bombed because of his his. But was that because yes. he wasn't able to pass no. certain things? Like I feel like there was a lot of pushback whenever he it was provided but, but, some but, but, kind but, of solution. You know, there was. No... I'm not saying that, but, okay. but, but this is what I'm saying. At the heart of the American institution, there is nothing one single person can do that's going to change it. Regardless of if you have a good, quote unquote, good person or a bad person, the system is still working. Mm-hmm. And so when Obama was in the office, there were things that were taking place under his administration that he okayed, like bombing but hospitals what, what in Syria. Wouldn't no, he wasn't forced. If he was forced, then we have to say Trump was forced too. There were two different people. But the institution is still working. The American empire is still at work. And until we address that, mm-hmm. Trump can be at talking, walking, not doing whatever he wants to, but he's still acting in regard to the empire. The empire does not change. President Obama bombed hospitals in Syria. to avoid the loss of lives due to terrorism in the Middle East. Had he not done that, the terroristic efforts and actions of... Um, we're not saying Al Qaeda would have continued and would have con- would have continued to press forward. Well, so yes, unfortunately, lives were lost, mm-hmm. innocent people were killed. But had that not it happened, you would have had a you would have had a, a continuous a resurgence of terroristic acts, as we are probably going to now have since President Trump has removed American forces from Turkey, protecting the Kurds. Yeah. So my experience, so when I was in the military, I did military intelligence. That's right. And my job was literally to look at, and we call it IPB, the intelligence preparation of the battlefield. What is taking place in these communities? Why is it taking place? Who's it affecting? Who are the targets? And what do we need to do? Mm-hmm. We have most likely, uh, most dangerous courses of action. And we made recommendations to the, the, the operating generals. I was at a two-star command. And when, when I look at the battlefield, I'm looking at this, and I'm starting to do the research as to why the situations are the way they are. And it wasn't because of terrorism. That is a, a, a false narrative that has been perpetuated over and over again. Terrorism exists, yes. But the terrorists aren't the ones we think. The terrorists are the ones who are, are, are literally taking over corporations and, 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 and tobacco fields and, and plantations over there who are trying to make money that come back to America and ask mm-hmm. for, for um, tax breaks so that they corporations and quote, favors. Exactly. But these are the same people that are in Brazil killing the natives. Then putting putting fire to these land and then saying, well, we didn't come in and protect 
the Amazon rainforest. When, in fact, they were the ones who created the fire in the first place. And so it's a total comprehensive approach that we aren't talking about. And all we hear, terrorism, terrorism, terrorism. We have to ask ourselves why that is. No, it's because it is something that's going to stoke fear and garner support. So I agree with that 100%. But I think that you cannot minimize the the fact that it it does exist and that it will have an inverse response if it's not addressed. America has a responsibility to protect those who are unable to protect themselves. I believe by virtue of the strength of the American nation. And the unfortunate responsibility that America has taken in being the world's colonizer. There comes with that a debt that we cannot relinquish because of our past. And we have to, and I think that President Obama respected that, and I think that he that he upheld it in a way that President Trump isn't. I do agree that President Obama is a part of the system. He's a politician, and so is Nancy Pelosi. But I also believe that there was a lot of good done in his eight years to move our nation forward. And we can call for the dismantling of the system. And even if that were to happen, it doesn't mean it will not hap- that it can happen across the world. And all it would do is denigrate who we are as a nation and our standing in the world for someone else to take that that I'm seat okay. of power. Watch this. I'm okay with that. You know why? Because I believe America mm-hmm. is a terrorist. When we look at the countries all over this world, that America is one of the biggest terrorists out there. Fully. No, we're terrorists. Okay. We kill people who do not fulfill our agenda of maintaining hegemony and white supremacy. If you do not go along with America, look at the United Nations. Before Trump became our, uh, president, we had the uh, Paris Climate Accord. Yeah. Trump became president. We jumped out of it. We said we didn't want anything to do with it. No other country can do anything about it. They say if America does not Cuba invest. Too. Cuba, we right. We went over there and we can talk about Cuba. We can talk about the climate crisis. We can talk, everything America does. Even we, we can talk about Brexit, right? Because the American investment is not there, they are, they are literally struggling to come to an agreement with how uh, England leaves the United Kingdom. That has impact on the entire world economy. China. Yeah. Trump loves China. Oh, let's, talk about, let's talk about North Korea. North Korea and South Korea, they're literally starting to unify. I'm so excited that uh, Kim Jong, yeah, it was on his white horse. So mm-hmm. there's a big announcement <laughs> supposedly coming. I'm excited to see what that big announcement will be. Is he going to bomb something? And what will then our president say about Rocket Man, his excitement of, around Rocket Man? Um, well, Kim Jong Un is a rocket man, and Trump is a man of color because he's orange. So, <laughs> uh, you know, he is—he's been called President Cheeto, you know. But who has not been called President anything but wants to be president is Bernie Sanders. Uh, and on last on Saturday or last week, Bernie Sanders was endorsed by uh, Representative Omar and Representative uh, Ocasio Cortez. They are now supporting him and saying that they are putting this is a very early endorsement. When the Democratic candidate, the Democratic field is still full of potentials, yeah. and they're coming out very early saying that he is who they're going to support, despite the fact that he's 78 years old and had a heart attack two weeks ago. Uh, what do you guys think about this endorsement and how it's going to impact the Democratic primary? One, I love it. I love you it. love it. I love it. Yeah. I believe you're going to vote for Bernie. No, I I'm believe going, you're supporting Bernie. Some I'm, things I'm you said. Liz. I'm going to support Liz, Elizabeth Warren. Okay. But. Bernie, I voted for Bernie last year 
and I love the work that AOC and Ilhan Omar are doing. Mm-hmm. They're not okay with the status quo, right? Mm-hmm. They're politicians. And they're trying to break down that status quo. They're trying to deconstruct the narrative of white supremacy and hegemony in this country. But don't you think they should be backing someone who has... Who's electable. Yes. Why, why, why is better, it Bernie? But electable? wait, but his age and his health... Look at, be, look at Trump. ...would be an issue for me. Trump hasn't yet had a heart attack, and I'm trying to understand why. But I'm just saying he... You know, this... Because this he really thing. doesn't... Because he really isn't sitting here eating Kentucky Fried Chicken every day and, and, and eating McDonald's. He just did that for photo ops to make it sit so he could relate to his voters and but, his his people and make it sit because they eat KFC in the trailer park and, he, and he wanted to make it seem like, hey, I'm right here with you on Air Force One. This but, is just a big trailer in the sky. But being president is stressful. <laughs> I like that. You know what I'm saying? So being stress, uh, being under a stressful situation, I just Tracy. don't know if I could support Court, yeah. Okay. My my mother is a two time cancer breast cancer survivor. I and she's retired. If she were to say I'm gonna go back to work, I would be dead set against it because of the stress that Tracy is job related. Being a president of the United States is stressful when you care about the people of the United States. Mm-hmm. Being president of the United States of America is not stressful when you are only in it for yourself and you're watching your net worth climb every day. And you're watching a legacy that you're leaving behind for your children and grandchildren increase and triple and quadruple every single well, day. That's when why you're putting the, you know, when you're win. putting the, uh, what is it, the G12 summit. Last. I just don't think he's going to In Florida, where you during the off season, mm-hmm. where you're going to make millions of, of dollars that you're setting up for yourself, I'm you're not stressed at all. You're overjoyed. in Florida somewhere and keep my freaking feet up at mm-hmm. 78. Like, but I think that, but again, James, which, that goes back to what she's saying. He's not, he's not a suitable candidate for your vote. I just don't. You would say, I, 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 I want to unpack, you know, because I, I, this is a trend on the podcast I, it's been almost i mean i would love it to be every episode where i find a way to weave in my love of the woman who should be our president uh hillary rodham clinton i'm a big fan of uh the true rightful heir of the Oval. And, you know, I want to know why did you not vote for her? Over How did Bernie win your vote over Hillary? Because Bernie actually came to my community and talked to our people. Yeah. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't go into these spaces and, and think he already had the, the victory before he even got it. He didn't believe that he was the rightful heir to the presidency because he, she, he was in close proximity. Because to he earned before. it. Because right. Hillary felt that she earned it right. I had through her service working, and her commitment right. through years working on her <laughs> staff, People working on her staff, she would not go into certain communities, even though she said, we're going to come to this area, we're going to come to this area. And seeing how the infrastructure and politics work, you have to be very intentional about where you find yourself. And she intentionally decided not to go to Michigan. She intentionally decided not to go to Wisconsin. She intentionally decided not to go to North Carolina in the prime. I mean, the, the, the latter parts of that primary season. So she did not earn my vote in the primary. She did not earn it in the general. She, you didn't I vote in the general. I did vote. But I didn't vote for her. I oh my God. James, you Who voted you for vote the for? third party candidate. Oh. James, you, you are a contributor to why president did on the oh. three plus oh one community. I am Watch sitting this. here right now Watch with this. the reason that Donald Trump uh, is your president. Uh, no, sir. No, sir. 
Hillary Clinton does not deserve my vote. Okay. Neither does any candidate. I don't care if Trump is the president now. I'm not giving my vote to somebody I don't believe can actually do the job. Well, Hillary well, Clinton but, was, can do the job. But, She's proven it. But you she advocacy her, her work, what right. she's done over the course but of time, proves it. The third party candidate was not going to win. So that. Thank for God me, you're a Georgia voter and your vote is, did not well, impact the end result. Don't do that again. Hillary Clinton still had majority votes. But she and still wins. Well, that's why I'm saying, thank God you are a, a, a Georgia a voter, like but you. I think a lot of people thought like you. It can't and, continue. And that's why right now the Russians are working to recruit uh, what Gillibrand to be a third party candidate and tear it's down and tear true. down whoever the Democratic nominee. That. Hillary Clinton is being honest. She She's know, being forthright. When you go back. I know because she's an insider. You know what? But when you go back, when you go back and you look at the uh, numerous debates between the rightful President Clinton and your your president that you helped elect, Donald Trump, you will see that uh, President Clinton did a phenomenal job of identifying exactly what was happening with Russian interference and exactly what the outcome will be for our nation. So for her to sit here and say that Gillibrand is being recruited by the Russians to be a third party disruptor in this election, truly, I believe it. I believe it hook on the sinker. Because I don't think there's any reason for her to come out and risk the rebuke of people like you in this election if it wasn't to save our democracy. Hillary Clinton is a, is a true shero of the democracy. <laughs> let me set the record straight. Let me set the record straight. Okay, so I'll, okay, I'll tell you a little bit. I did vote for Hillary in the general. Oh, good. Oh, okay. But, but pass the line. Vicious I did pass the line. I got line. evidence to prove that. Okay. No, I believe I it. I'm not going to question it. But I, I did think about it. Jill Stein. I, I did think about voting. But I do know a lot of people did A lot of people like Jill Stein. And if I had to do it again, I probably would not have voted for Hillary Clinton. Okay. I just wouldn't have. Well, Bernie's not getting my vote. He, he had a heart attack. Mine. And so and Nick. Tulsi is not. No, she doesn't have a chance. No, I, in my no, opinion, Tulsi is not an agent of the Russians. That's, um, I, I think she, that she is. I wish. I think that not. I think that she is an agent of the Russians, but I, but more than that, I think that she's a confirmed uh, Republican. Uh, and but you know, these are claims we don't know. Another claims that were made was that Lizzo is a hundred percent that thief. Uh, the second plagiarism claim has come out against Lizzo uh, on the podcast. We talked about Lizzo. I love Lizzo and her great work. But, you know, what do we say about the possibility that this song has been plagiarized? Well, here's the thing. Let the music industry be on notice. We have gone away from authenticity. You don't think Lizzo's authentic? All together. I think her style is different. You know, her look is different. Her look is very different, and I think that kudos to to her on that. But I do not think. You know, I was driving back from Nashville the other day, and I was listening to some old music, and I could hear the authentic bass. I could hear the piano playing. I could, we have gone away from everything. Lyrics, we no longer really write lyrics that talk about love or heartbreak or everything is money. Money and mumble. Uh, okay, money, and mumble. money and mumble. Money and mumble. Get the bag or whatever. I And I, I think she probably did steal this. If we would go into the studio with some new fresh ideas and possibly go back into the, the 70s, 80s vault where music 
in my opinion, was the best. You know, I think she wouldn't be going through this. Do you think that Lizzo can hang with those artists of the 70s and 80s? Absolutely you- not. I think she's for the moment. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of she's these artists the are for the moment. I don't know too many females that are that are sticking that are going to stick around. James, what do you think? So I don't know who Lizzo is. Oh, um, for shame! I, for shame, Pastor, you need to know who is Lizzo. Like she's a hundred percent that bitch uh, according uh, to the uh, DNA uh, test. <laughs> uh, that's that's a quote now, people. That's a quote from her song. Yeah, I've heard that, but I don't know where it came from. So it's Lizzo. It's from Lizzo. She she is a. Uh, plus size singer who has embraced a non-traditional view. Yeah, a non-traditional view of what is being defined as sexy. She's extremely funny. She's extremely... She's she's a great personality. personality. Yeah, but you're saying, but not a great singer. But I don't think this music is life... So this weekend, I I must say that I had opportunity to meet a contemporary singer Uh who may not have had the commercial success that I would have wanted her to have, but I think her voice is one for the ages that will endure, and that is Fantasia Barino. Oh, absolutely. I think that Fantasia is an artist of today's generation that could easily hang with artists of of yesterday. She gave a phenomenal concert that really ranks up there. Fantasia now, I would have to say, this concert that I saw on Friday puts her as the best performer I've seen in 2019 mm-hmm. and probably one of the best shows I've, I've attended no. in my life. I would have to say she's definitely in the top five. How was Tank? Um, and, uh, Robin, Robin Thicke and Tank both sang beautifully and they did a phenomenal job and they're great live artists. Oh, I, I can't deny it. I don't necessarily like their music. I'm not fans of Tank. I'm not a Tank fan. I'm not a, I'm a Robin Thicke fan. Tank. But if you are, you would have thoroughly enjoyed his show. He gave... Uh, did he take his shirt off? He did all the things that his fans um, like. <laughs> and with doing the things that his fans like, it's getting late, so, so you may want to go home and do the things that his fans like to do. And we will see you all on, right, or right. we will, you will hopefully join <laughs> us back tomorrow <laughs> for our Wednesday episode where we conclude our week with the newly elected president of the Georgia NAACP, James Woodall. All right. All right. We will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.